Well, we certainly do appreciate our music program here at Rocky Mount, and uh, I appreciate you folks being here today. It was a painful experience. I did something this week that I've almost never done. I went online and listened to 10 minutes of one of my sermons. <clears throat> so I want to thank you for coming. I have preached at the Berglund Center to all the Virginia Baptists. There were several thousand people there, and they gave me a, uh, a video, and I've never watched it. In 60 years of preaching, I have never listened to a whole sermon I've preached. But I thought I'd bite the bullet this week, and I listened for 15 minutes, and it was all I could stand. So <laughs> I am thankful you're here. Now, let me just say, and by word of introduction, if you'll notice the sermon title says part one. I have been so blessed in my research on the doctrine of heaven according to Jesus that it will take a couple of sermons on heaven for me to say what I believe the Lord has placed on my heart to say. So next Sunday, this Sunday we're going to be in John 14, Next Sunday, we will go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, where John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be dealing with some specificity about what it means, what was John seeing when he saw a new heaven and a new earth. But today we're in John chapter 14, and if you will notice that Jesus begins to talk to them and the disciples are troubled. Now, the reason they're troubled is because of what Jesus has told them in the 13th chapter. In the 13th chapter, John, uh, Jesus reveals that Peter would deny him three times and he also points out that Judas would betray him. And so, obviously, they were troubled about one of the main men, Peter, he was in that circle of Peter, James, and John. And to know that one of his disciples was going to betray, obviously, they are concerned. And so, if you'll let me read a few verses. Jesus said, because they were troubled, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, the King James, I believe, says mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
The year was 1974. In a huge burial plot in China, they discovered 7,000 life-size terracotta soldiers. And their purpose was to guard the first emperor of China as he went to the afterlife. Almost all religions believe in some form of the afterlife. That used to trouble me. Even the American Indians talked about the happy hunting grounds and the afterlife. Buddhists and Hindus believe in the form of an afterlife and they call it reincarnation. Those who follow the god Allah, they are told that if they even kill people in a holy war, they will go to heaven and an extreme form of that awaiting them will be a dozen or so virgins. It troubles me at one point in my Christian life, why did it seem that every religion, false religions, had some concept of the afterlife? And then I came across one of the verses that Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he's referring to God. And listen to this. This is what Solomon said. He, referring to God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of man. God created man, and man, even in his fallen state, has innately a sense that there's more than just this life on earth. Even they follow, follow a false god because God, when he created man, created him to be different than the animal kingdom. We did not evolve. God created the heavens and the earth. And because of that, he put in man a sense that there is something in the hereafter. He has placed eternity in our hearts. Some of you have very smart animals. As smart as they are, they do not contemplate the afterlife. Only man, that supreme creation of God, has a view that there's something after life. Let me say without fear of contradiction, every one of us here today Every one of us in Franklin County, in Virginia, in the United States, almost 8 billion people in the world, everybody will spend some place in eternity. Heaven or hell, according to the Word of God. Generations ago, heaven was an important doctrinal truth in the preaching of the gospel. Only in the last 75 years as we have prospered and life has become so good here have we kind of jettisoned this idea of heaven. And I understand for those of you who are so young that the idea and the prospect of heaven does not carry the weight it does for someone my age. And I fully understand that. But I would caution you who are young, that just because you're young 
does not mean you're necessarily going to live a long time. As a young 22 or 23-year-old pastor, the first funeral I had was a four-year-old boy who died of leukemia. And I went through my mind the, the many, I don't know, dozens and dozens of funerals, maybe a hundred or more that I have had, and it is amazing how many funerals that I have had of people who were under 50 years of age. And I say to you, outside of a funeral, when was the last time you heard a sermon either on heaven or hell? I think I told you the story of a lady that I met on a Saturday night, and this was probably 40 years ago, and it just so happened that uh, she went to another church and she was upset at her preacher because he was taking a month's vacation and that bothered her. And she said, I'm coming to your church tomorrow. What are you preaching on? And it just so happened that I was going to preach on hell. She said, I'm not coming. Point of it is, it's easier to believe in heaven than it is hell. If you were to ask 100 people, do you believe in heaven, probably 99.9% would say yes. Then how many of you believe in hell, probably less would raise their hand. But there is, according to the Bible, the reality of heaven as a real place, not a figment of some theological uh, imagination. It is not a place where we will sit around on a cloud with wings and a harp. That is not heaven. The Bible does not teach that. Jesus said, do not be troubled. If you believe God, then believe me. And I'm telling you something that is fundamentally true. I am going to prepare a place for you. And so heaven is real and it is a place where Jesus said, I am going. Jesus said, don't be troubled. You can rest assured on my word, on the word of my Father, there is a place in eternity. Over 500 times the word heaven or some form of that word is used in the Bible. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. That's one of the Beatitudes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 28, when Jesus was resurrected, he says, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. In Romans 1, it says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And then in the Lord's prayer, you remember, he said, our Father who art in heaven. And later in the prayer, he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The problem about talking about heaven is that language has limitations. As clear as a preacher can be, as our articulate as a preacher may be, he cannot adequately convey because language has limits. There was a beautiful day one summer when my wife and I, we were in New Mexico and 
we uh, rented a car and drove to Flagstaff, Arizona, and got up early in the morning, and we drove to the Grand Canyon. The sun was shining, and what we saw was breathless. What you see on TV does not do it justice. Unless you've been there on a sunny day, my ability to explain the beauty, the grandeur, the magnificence of the Grand Canyon I am not able to do that. Why? Because language has limits. But you see, even when Jesus talked, I have believed a long, long time that even what the Bible says, because the Bible is written in words and words have limits, it is difficult for us to wrap our mind around the concept of heaven Jesus said, it's a real place, and he said, it's a place that I'm going, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, this is a verse I want to quote, and I want you to pay clear attention to it. I've mentioned that language is limited. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, you might want to write it down. Paul said this, But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what has entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What is Paul saying? Eye cannot perceive, ears cannot what God has prepared for those who loved him. He's talking about heaven. It is a real place. It is a prepared place. And we're living here. And in Philippians, Paul said, our citizenship, if you are here today, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you know him as your personal savior, According to the scriptures, your citizenship is not in America. It is in heaven. Paul says in Philippians 3.12, our citizenship is in heaven. But the point is, is in our modern day, because life is so good and, and, and we have driven the stakes of the good life in the soil of this earth, that heaven is not as important to us as it ought to be. Some of those old gospel songs that we don't sing much anymore. I appreciate Brother Fred because we sang about heaven today. And it talks about when we all get to heaven. I know that's talking about the redeemed. But let me say with dogmatic clarity, not everybody is going to heaven. Because on one occasion Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus made it clear. There are those who know God and there's those who uh, do not know him. Some, in fact, are of your father, the devil. The old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Did not our Lord say to us that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
I like the song. It said, I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. I think I've already told you, I've been here so long, I think I've repeated myself, but I remember that talking about that preacher who was talking to a group of young boys, and he asked the little boy, he said, do you, do you, do, do you want to go to heaven? And the boy said, yes. And he asked the other one, do you want to go to heaven? He got to about the fourth child. Do you want to go to heaven? He said, no. He said, son, when you die, you don't want to go to heaven? He said, yes, I thought you were getting a car load up to go now. <laughs> and folks, that really reflects a lot of us. In fact, my father-in-law was a preacher. He had a great big library, five, six, seven thousand books. And he had a practical way of saying things. And I don't think he ever referred to me as Larry. He always called me Doc. I don't know why. But he said, Doc, he said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. There's a lot of truth in that. And I understand that. I understand life is good, and, and we enjoy family, and I understand the emotion of that. But because life is inevitably, there is, according to the Bible, in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and there's a time to die. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And so you young people, you recognize, enjoy life, but recognize that ultimately we will all breathe our last breath and then stand before God. That is the reason heaven is important. And we should understand that to drive the stake so deep here, we lose sight of what the Bible says. Secondly, may I hurry on the requirements for those who want to enter heaven. And I've already stated that not everyone who believes in heaven, I I. Isn't it true, I'm, and maybe it's my age, but I, I notice in my 80s, I read the obituaries more than I did in my 20s. And I've noticed something about the obituaries. I don't care who it is, they're going to heaven. They, who, you know, they always don't talk about they're going to heaven. They depart this life, they're going to heaven. And, 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 and maybe those they're talking about, maybe they go. But folks... Not everybody goes to heaven. And that is a biblical truth. We who are God's people, Jesus' own words are crystal clear. Listen to Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I did not say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who gives lip consent, not everyone who has religious vocabulary, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
in Matthew 24, which is that great chapter on the second coming of Jesus Christ, he told of the time when he would come, and he says, when the Lord comes, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. That's Matthew 24. And Matthew 25, continuing the theme of, of the second coming, Jesus, without any lack of clarity, said, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I know I'm getting into that other thing about hell, but Jesus made it clear that there is a heaven to gain and that there is a hell to shun. This is a biblical position. And we who are the people of God need to understand the scriptures are clear in 1 Corinthians, and this is about the resurrection, that great Easter chapter on the resurrection. Paul says, For I delivered to you of first importance that Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the way we get to heaven is through the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, joining the church won't do it. I used to preach to a thousand people and I would say, you be careful, there are those of you here who may be depending on your baptism or your good works or trying to obey the Ten Commandments and you may miss heaven. It is only through the blood of Christ. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Jesus had to go to the cross and when Peter was preaching in Acts 4, speaking about death and resurrection, he says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. That's the reason we preach Christ. That's the reason Jesus said in response to Thomas, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way. Jesus answered, I, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he adds this. He says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a narrow way. And in another place in Scripture, he talks about the broad, the broad way that is the way of destruction and the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father except through me. That is the reason we send missionaries. That is the reason we need to witness because our world is full of people who believe if I'm good, if I try the best I can, if I treat my mama good, if I do all of this, I'll go to heaven. No, only through the blood of Christ do we merit heaven. And then... 
finally, consider the reward of heaven. According to the Bible, the heaven is our forever home. I understand, I've lived long enough to know that the word home means different things to different people. I'm thankful that maybe some of you grew up in what is called a a courier in Ives home, an idealistic, perfect kind of home. But I also know that there may be some people here who, who grew up in a troubled home, a home where there was not a father and mother, or maybe there was a father or a mother who who was less than they ought to be. I, I've had people come into my study, and I had this wonderful young lady that I had known for years, and she lived up north, and she had to get it off of her chest, and, and, and she told me, she said, I, I need to tell you as a child, my grandfather sexually abused me. So her concept of home would be different maybe than yours. And so I say to you, I understand home means different things to different people, but, but yet the Bible tells us that heaven is our home. Hebrews 9 says there remains a rest for the people of God. I've been in a lot of hospitals visiting a lot of people and I've heard this a lot. If I could go home, I would feel better. My wife and I, when we make a long trip like to Boone's Mill, (laughs) we'll come in and my wife or I'll say, you know, it's good to be home. You see, there's something about home. It's a place of rest that may be imperfect. In fact, all of our homes are imperfect because we're imperfect. But home carries the place of rest and, and security. I, this really happened. I, I had this young man ca- came to me and he was talking, struggled with alcohol. and He told me how he grew up, and I'm telling you the truth. He said, when I grew up, he said, my dad was put in prison. And I think he had a brother or two or something, but he was the youngest, and then his mama had all she could take, and she just left him. And this young man was in high school, and this is what he did. He said, I'd never let anybody know that I was living alone because I wanted to finish high school. And I'd get up and get myself ready, and I'd get to school, and I didn't dare want to whatever social services. He said, but nobody lived with me. My dad was in prison. My mom left me. Home was a different concept to him, but old folks, heaven is our home. It is a place of rest and security. It is a place where, praise God, according to Revelation 21, and we'll get there next week, and I want to deal with it microscopically. I want to deal with the words, what does it mean, the new heaven and the new earth? What does that mean? But I know enough it means that there'll be no cancer there. There'll be no wheelchairs. There'll be no separation, no bad news, no wars, no politics. Praise God. I started to say no politicians, but I decided not to. But I, uh, don't you get sick of it all? I mean, to be honest with you. 
I used to be an average, uh, loved watching the politics. I'm sick of it. But it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if in this life, if in this life, if we're just saying, well, even if there's no heaven, it's been worth it. But listen to what Paul says. If in this life we only have hope, he said, then we are of all men most miserable. Well, I'm glad for heaven. One of my favorite uh, poets is an African-American. His name is James Weldon Johnson. He died the year before I was born. And the reason I like this poem is because it talks about my hometown, Savannah, Georgia. And it also talks about a place that I've passed a hundred times, a little village called Yamacraw. That's an Indian word. There was a tribe of Yamacraw Indians that lived in Savannah in the 18th century. And James Weldon Johnson wrote this about a dear sister who had died. And it's called Go Down Death. Listen. And God said, Go down death. Go down. Go down to Savannah, Georgia. Down to Yamacraw. And find Sister Caroline. She's borne the burden and the heat of the day. She's labored long in my vineyard, and she's tired. She's weary. Go down, death, and bring her to me. Broken-hearted husband, weep no more. Grief-stricken son, weep no more. Left lonesome daughter, weep no more. She's only just go down. Weep not, weep not. She is not dead. She's resting in the bosom of Jesus. If I were not a Baptist, Resting in the bosom of Jesus. I'm glad there's a heaven. And I'm glad there's a way to get there, aren't you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We ask you, Father, to... As we enjoy life on this earth, we pray, Lord, that we'd keep an eye on heaven. Lord, we don't know when we'll take our last breath. Lord, we don't know if we have the rest of the day to live. Every time we hear the news, somebody's been shot, somebody's been killed, war is broken out somewhere. But Lord, we thank you that heaven is real. It's prepared. And Jesus shed his blood. Thank you, Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Our praise team is going to lead us in an invitational hymn. It may be that you're not sure whether or not your name is written in the book of life. We'll talk about that next week.
And I want to know today, are you sure if today was your last day, you'd go to heaven? Are you sure of that? If not, come and let me talk to you. Or if you're here and you have a burden on your heart and you want me to share it, I promise I will. As we stand and sing, maybe you're thinking about joining a good church. You want to come today. You come as we stand and sing.